This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Need a Bible? Get your hand up real high. Uh, turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 1. If you're watching here on live stream, we're glad to have you here today. Uh, I, I highly encourage you really, really let the Word of God soak in you today. I believe the Lord's going to speak to all of us here. So again, we're on our series on the Holy Spirit. I believe part of the Holy Spirit's job is he, he activates the Word of God. You know, in John 16, he's called the Spirit of Truth who will lead you and guide you in truth. So he caused the Word of God to come alive with us. I believe also that one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit, that he creates the character of Jesus within us. And then a third aspect, he still empowers today. He still empowers us today. So we begin here in Acts 1. We've been here, but we'll start in verse 4. And being assembled together. Now I stop immediately there. Being assembled together. You're going to begin to see this assembled together becomes the theme of the entire morning. And it's going to be life changing for you because you're going to see what type of atmosphere the Holy Spirit moves in. They were assembled together with them and he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father which he said you've heard from me. For John truly baptized you with water but you shall be baptized many days with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So this was Jesus' words and remember he commanded this. that This was how important the Holy Spirit was in Jesus' eyes. Verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The, the work of the Holy Spirit upon us and within us. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the end of all the earth. So the distinct purpose of the outpouring of the Spirit of God is to help everyone of us in the area of ministry. To be witnesses for the Lord Jesus. So Jesus promises all this. And so to paraphrase real quickly, after Jesus says this, he ascends into heaven. This was his last words to his disciples right here on earth. And then he's gone. And we know the scripture says that in the same manner, or he's going to come back that way. There's going to be a day he's going to come back. And there's going to be a trumpet that's going to blast. And all of a sudden, here comes Jesus. It's going to happen. Same chapter, verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphas, Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord. These all continued in full agreement, together completely, in prayer and supplication with the women. That's that's shocking. The women were invited. Boy, that was good of the Lord. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brothers. Now, I read all this and I read all these names because all these people represent individuals. And when I read about all these ones, I I begin to see 
the diversity. Different backgrounds, different personalities, different upbringings. But something happens when we come together for the same purpose, the same reasons, and the same motives. And it's interesting, they were together, they went in one accord. Acts 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Now, some people, when they hear the word Pentecost, they freak out. Oh, no, he's going holy roller on us. Actually, the word of Pentecost, or in the Greek, is Pentecostus, which literally means 50. 50 days after Passover, or 50 days since the resurrection of Jesus. So give you a time frame here. We know that when Jesus raised from the dead, he walked this earth for 40 days. We know he's ascended in heaven at this point. So here on Pentecost, that would be 50. So this was 10 days after Jesus departed and went to heaven. Now look what it says. And they were all with one accord in one place. Mutual consent, being in agreement group harmony, or harmony harmony that's leading to action. Now, over and over and over and over, you begin to see something happens when people, and specifically the body of Christ, comes into unity or comes into an agreement. So turn with me to Acts chapter 4, and we're going to carry on just a little farther and keep going. And so when you study Acts 4, Peter and John begin to preach the word. They begin to preach Jesus. And in Acts 4, verse 1, it says, They spoke to the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the couldn't sees, the wooden sees, the priests. They were talking to the religious community. And you know what the religious community said to them? Don't you dare speak Jesus crucified. So because they preached the word of God, they were thrown into jail. And when they were thrown into jail by these religious folk, they said, whatever you do, don't you dare speak the name of Jesus in any manner. Now, when you speak in Jesus' name, you're going to get some opposition. So they had been thrown in jail. So we pick up Acts chapter 4, verse 23. And being let go, they, Peter and John, went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So when they heard that they raised their voice to God with one accord, they, they raised their voices to God with one accord. The kind of spiritual unity That the lives of people who are filled with the Holy Spirit and who walk in the Holy Spirit get experience. Here it is again. They're in one accord. And so we jump, same chapter for time's sake, to verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together, there it is, they're assembled together again. The place where they were assembled together was shaken.
the floor where they were at began to shake. Would, would any of you in here be opposed if that began to happen? I welcome stuff like that because I'm going to tell you what, when this floor begins to shake, you know what happens with human beings? They get on their knees. So when I read this here again, it, it shows me biblically that the Holy Spirit operates or manifests in an environment of unity. So he shows up and the place they were at was shaken. And all that were there were filled with the Holy Spirit. If that's not important, then why does the Bible reference the Holy Spirit over and over and over? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So you know what that tells me? They all needed the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Unrestrained Boldness. Now here's an interesting thought for you off of that. How did the Holy Spirit manifest? With boldness. I think many times we, we put the Holy Spirit in a box. And we have this thought that if he doesn't manifest this particular way, it can't be the Holy Spirit. But it's interesting. He, he manifests with this unrestrained boldness that flows out of the heart with, with confidence and this boldness causes us to speak directly to the heart of humans. It cuts us to heart. It's not tailored to make everybody happy, but it has the courage to speak the boldness of the Word of God. Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced the boldness of the Holy Spirit come upon I have. And you don't back down. You don't shy away even when what you're talking about with the Word of God isn't popular. So when I look at this, this boldness is outspoken. It's cheerful courage. And right here in this passage, it denotes a divine enablement. In other words, you can't go to a, a seminary or a seminar, either one, and be taught this kind of boldness. This only happens from the Holy Spirit. It's when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. I, I welcome this. I believe this is what the pulpits in America are needing right now. Verse 32. Now the multitude, how many of the multitude of those who believed, they were of one. They're still united and it says they were of one heart. They were in tune. They were in sync. They were going the same way. And it says, and then they were one of, of soul to breathe spiritually together. Now, I highlight the word multitude again because when you get a multitude of people, you get a lot of different personalities, a lot of different opinions. But when we're there for the same purpose, things begin to happen. And that's what the kingdom of God is about. So he goes on to say, Neither did anyone say that if any things he possessed was their own, but they had things in common, and with great power, great ability, great strength, 
the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon him. So you see two things right there in verse 33. The Lord Jesus said in, in Acts 1-8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power to be a witness. Right here in this verse, you see the fulfillment of Acts 1-8 that takes place in Peter and John. They were filled with power to witness for the resurrection of Jesus. See, that's the desire to this day of the Lord still. That's, that's what he wants us to take place and do. And, and so we are carriers of the, the things of heaven. Do I limit the things of heaven in my life or do I enhance them? Now, when I read all this, the Holy Spirit is about power, but he manifests in an atmosphere of unity. When we come together as one, I'm telling you, something begins to happen. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And the Apostle Paul is going to give us some great insight on this. And I'll begin in Ephesians 4 verse 1. And he says, I, talking about Paul, therefore the prisoner of the Lord. What this literally means, he's writing this book here to the Ephesians while he's in prison at Rome. And he said, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. I I beseech you to walk in the divine call. And and watch his instructions for me and you, verse 2, with lowliness. Do you know what lowliness means? Tender humility without any empty arrogance. You know what that literally means? You don't have to be a a know-it-all. You don't have to be conceited. You don't have to come across like you're this religious person. I beseech you with lowliness. Now listen, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. And so gentleness, this quiet patience, demonstrate generous love. The message says humility and discipline. But watch verse 3. There's something tucked in here that's really good. Endeavoring or eager to strive earnestly to keep the unity. To keep the unity. Not just to talk about unity, but to keep the unity. To guard it. To preserve it. You know what I believe off of this? You're going to have to fight for unity. In every area of my life, in every area of your life. But unity is that important for us to fight for. It's that significant. Unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Now, I'm, I'm going to read verse 4, 5, and 6. I'm going to read it rather fast, and then I'm going to come back. Listen to what he says. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one. Hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in y'all. Now, what you begin to see here is just one. Just one God. How many of you believe there's just one God? I believe there's just one God. One spirit. But it's interesting right here. He makes this comment, one body. 
Just, just one body. Not, not a bunch of bodies, but just one body. Now, I don't know if you don't read into that, but let me help you just a little bit here. It becomes very prideful and arrogant as a human being when we think our church is always right. Our denomination is always right. It's very arrogant for us to think we're the only ones going to heaven. So let me help you with that. When we get to heaven, there's not going to be this big billboard that says that 915 in chapel 203 is the charismatic, charismatic surface. Do you know there's only going to be one surface up there? And it's going to be every relation, not every relation, every religious background, every church. It's not going to just be the Pentecost. It's not going to just be the Baptist. It's going to be the body of Christ. And I believe what's begin to happen more and more is because of our denominations and because of our different affiliations of churches, the devil has used this to divide us instead of unite us. And all I find in the Bible is if we preach Jesus, guess what? We're part of the brethren. We're part of the family of God. And you know what else I think is very arrogant? That if the church doors aren't open to everybody, then the Holy Spirit's going to be limited what he wants to do. Now, this may be a shocker to some of you. But in heaven at 10 a.m., there's not going to be a white surface. There's going to be a surface, but you know what that surface is going to be? The red, yellow, black, white, and brown. It's going to be all of us. That's why he said there's just one body. But the only way this one body functions right here on this earth is this ingredient called unity. That I'm, I'm no better than anybody else. And so because all this, the devil knows if I can just get them in strife and I can get them in division, I got them where I want them. And you think about this right now in our nation. I, I don't know that I've ever seen our nation so divided. And, and it's heart-wrenching. Because a house divided, a nation divided, a kingdom divided, it can't stand. And so, the Lord Jesus is, he's pretty clear about this. Endeavor to keep the unity. Now, I don't have time to read the rest of this book or this chapter, Ephesians 4. But what Paul, the Apostle Paul does, he begins to give us a list of our behaviors, our attitudes, and our actions. And most of them, are how we aim that toward other people. And it's very easy to be critical, judgmental. It's, it's very easy to think, you know what, it's politically correct for me to act however I want to other people, but not in, on Paul's eyes. Now I want you to notice real uh, clearly something that he says in Ephesians 4 verse 30. And do not... 
grieve the Holy Spirit of God. That, that word grieve there means don't cause injury. Don't cause distress or to limit his scope. It has the meaning also to, to choke him or to suffocate him. So what happens is when we grieve him, we grieve him from operating in our lives like he desires. And literally what happens is we fragment his family. We cause division in there by my actions and my behaviors. Now, there's a nugget of truth right here to start with in verse 30. Listen real close. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Did you catch that? The Holy Spirit is of God. And so if I reject the Holy Spirit, if I stiff arm the Holy Spirit, if I act like I don't need the Holy Spirit, you know what you just said? I really don't need you, God. But I don't know about you, but for me, I need every bit of God I can get. I, I welcome his grace. I welcome his mercy. I welcome the Holy Spirit. I welcome everything he has. Actually, I take a double portion of it. But he said, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Don't do it. Have I ever done it? I have. And I know I've had by my actions and my behaviors. Because when it starts happening, the Holy Spirit gets quiet in your life. He doesn't leave you, but it does get quiet. He plays a game called hide-and-go-seek with us. Again, he doesn't leave us. But when we grieve him, instead of gravitating or taking steps forward to us, he starts taking steps backwards. And the longer we go, the more we grieve him, the farther he gets away from us. And the farther he gets away from us, the lack of influence he has in my life until we start doing the seeking part and I realize he's not in my life anymore and I need him. So when I begin to start seeking him, something happens. Don't grieve the Spirit of God. He wouldn't warn us if this wasn't possible and this wasn't happening. Turn with me to the book of Psalms 133. And as you're turning there, if, if you really love to, to look at the Word of God, in, in Mark chapter 3, verses 24 through 26, you're going to Psalm 133. Mark 3, 24 through 26 is red letter words. It's the Lord Jesus' words. And you know what he said? A kingdom that's divided will be doomed. Then the next verse he says, a house that's divided will fall. And then the next verse he said, if Satan himself is against Satan, there wouldn't be any Satan. Even the devil knows the power of unity, as crazy as he is. So when you read into this, unity becomes paramount for all of us. 
And it doesn't matter if it's a kingdom. It doesn't matter if it's a house, a church. How about this? A marriage that isn't united will crumble. So I go back to some of my, you got to fight for unity. Unity just doesn't happen. And so oftentimes, especially in a marriage covenant, you may win the, 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 the battle, but you lose the war. And we lose the, the war over something as silly as, well, I don't think that was John Wayne playing in true grit. I think that was somebody. We get in the craziest arguments and division over the crazy. That sounds like you've been there. I have. I've been there. I know what that's like. But isn't it interesting that the Lord Jesus highlights all that? A workplace that's divided is going to have issues. So we cruise into Psalms 133. This, this is one of the great, greatest Psalms in all the Bible. It's only three verses. Psalms 133, verse 1. Behold, truly, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. How good and wonderful, how pleasant and delightful and beautiful it is for the brethren to dwell in unity. Now, I don't know if you've figured out the word brethren, but you know what that is? That is men and women of God. Regardless of color, regardless of their church they go to. Years ago, there, there was a guy that, that me and Shelly knew. And I'm telling you, we got around him and we could tell, this guy's had an encounter with Jesus. Something's, I mean, he was lit. All he wanted to talk about was Jesus. So a few weeks later, we were around a guy and I mentioned how turned on to Jesus he was. And this guy said, what church does he go to? And we told him, and the guy said, oh, man, I don't know if I'd let him go to that church. He said, I don't even know if they're born again there. And I said, well, have you ever been to a service there? And he said, no, I just don't think they preach Jesus. I said, well, they're preaching something right because this guy's born again. He's full of God right now. See, oftentimes we have this thought, even among the brethren, I'm more spiritual than you. I, I know more. Our doctrine is better than yours. Listen, the Lord Jesus told his own disciples, he said, hey, fellas, if they're preaching Jesus, they're with us. You know, I begin to realize the diversity of the body of Christ. And when you get to heaven, there's going to be three things that are really going to be shocking. You know what those are? Number one, who made it? Number two, who didn't make it? And maybe the shocking of them all is when people look and said, you made it. Some people say, I, I never thought you would make it. Wow. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. The power of unity. You begin to see throughout the Bible the priority that the subject of spiritual unity takes place. Keep reading. Verse 2. It, unity, is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. So when you look at what he talks about, the, the unity 
It, it consecrates the whole body from the very top to the very bottom of the entire body. Every one of us. The pinky, the head, the leg, whatever we are, we all have a place, but unity's huge. And then he says in verse 3, it, unity, is like the dew of Hermine, the dew of Hermon's descending upon the mountains of Zion. This is talk about Mount Hermon. And you know what this is talking about? You can find the anointing through unity at the highest parts of your life and at the lowest parts of your life. The unity of heaven. Now, watch how this psalms ends. For there, or that's where, the Lord commanded the blessing. Where? In the place of unity. You want the Lord to command the blessing in your home? Get into unity. You don't want the Lord to command the blessing in your marriage? Get into unity. That's a novel idea. You want to see the, the, the Lord command the blessing right here? That when we begin to get into this place called unity, and so we're either dividers or we're uniters. We're either part of the problem or we're part of the solution. And it's interesting that strife in one of Paul's writings is found in the same category with the murderers, the God-haters, and the pride. But I would never look at division as strife. Well, that can't be any worse than being a murderer. Not in Paul's eyes. So he begins us to give us the, the insight of how powerful unity is. I, I believe it's the gradient right now. The Holy Spirit's just saying, just get into agreement. Just. There's a little diversity in here. I, I don't have a PhD from Harvard. But there's a little diversity in here. I can kind of look around the room. There's some of you that are really old, and I'm not talking to myself. <laughs> we got some young ones in here. Got some brown sheep, some black sheep, some red sheep, some swirl sheep. Got some sheep with a lot of hair and some with no hair. Man, let's look at the diversity here. But when we come together for the same reason, the same purpose, well, what's our reason to come together? We want to worship Jesus. We want to see people get born again. We want to see people get touched by heaven. I've been on cloud nine for a few weeks. I'm, I'm having people come in and tell me their testimonies that what are going on. I'm like, oh my gosh, Jesus, you, you are so good. I wish I had time for Stacy and Warren to come up here. She came in and took my whole Monday morning, not all of it, but tell me what God's doing. I mean, people are telling me, Pastor, that's what God's doing. Look what God's doing. E even in this time, right, God's doing some things. And as brethren, we shouldn't get mad. Well, God never does that for me. 
Well, there may be a reason God never does that for you. Because your name is Sue. Sue, Sue, selfish Sue. With toys of every kind. You never share, you never share. You say they're all mine. That's an old story I used to say. Years ago to my children. See, many times we want what other people have. We just don't want to do what they've done to get it. Well, I, I wish I was married as long as Warren and Stacy. Well, you want to do what they did to get it? I wish I had as many kids as they... No, I don't want that one. <laughs> you guys can hold that blessing, all right? Why don't you stand up here with me? Well, I've sensed the Lord all morning. Since him all morning. And I think there's times in every one of our lives when we know we've grieved the Spirit of God. He just doesn't talk to me anymore, Pastor. I don't sense him anymore. But I know the cure. And we say, man, I'm sorry. Whatever I've done to grieve you, I'm sorry. I welcome you back. And in the place of unity where he commands the blessing. And I know a lot of times in a marriage covenant, pride says, I'm, I'm not repenting. I'm the one who always have to repent. They never repent. Have any of you ever said that? But if it's to fight for unity, and I put down my pride, I put on humility, and I said, man, I'm wrong. I've blown it. So just bow your head right here where we're at, and I believe the Holy Spirit's going to deal with us. Even you on live stream, I believe the Holy Spirit's going to deal with us. That if you're here today, and man, you just sense I've grieved I've grieved the Spirit of God. I, I need the touch of God back in my life. I need the touch of God back in my marriage. And even more, I welcome the touch of God right here. I, I want to see the, the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to see Him saved. I want to see miracles. So if it's because we're in disunity and disharmony, are we preventing God from doing what He wants to do? Then let's repent. Let's get right. And so as our team gets ready to sing, I just welcome you to come, not for my sake, but to say, Woo, Holy Spirit. Breathe on my family. Breathe on me. Breathe on this house. Bring us back into unity, Lord. Go ahead, guys. Let's sing. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.